Hi everybody, welcome to episode. Did, somebody, did you say no promos? Huh? Sorry, yeah. sorry, Kaz. Sorry, go for it. Go. <laughs> that's a that's a blooper right there. Oh, okay. All right. Oh, just a minute, just a minute. My phone is ringing. <laughs> we got Loopy. This this episode's cursed. Matt, I'm I'm spewing. You can't see. Are you recording this? Yes. Bloopers, mate. <laughs> All right, go uh, on, right. keep going, keep going. Um, I've got uh, a question for Erasmus. Yep. This is from uh, Kieran Bounds. Oh, Kieran. And he says, for Erasmus, if your house was on fire and you could only save one thing from your maiden collection, <laughs> what would it be? Well, I hate this question. <laughs> it is, is the toughest question for any... When collectors have nightmares, it's about this question, okay? It, it keeps us up at night. Does it count if I put a maiden shirt on my daughter and I pick her up in one arm and can grab something with the other arm? The question says only one thing. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, well, and it also says from your maiden collection, so but um, you could take your daughter anyway. Stick a t-shirt yeah. on your daughter, that's not a problem. That's cool. Well, we'll I think uh, I'm probably going to save uh, the the Fear of the Dark, the Rick's original artwork. Uh, it mm. was my first original uh, Rick's painting, <coughs> and it's... it's yeah. It's not completely done, and it's it stands for a time when uh, Maiden splits with Dirk Riggs, and uh, I just think there's so much history in that piece of art, in, in so many era? levels. Yeah, yeah. so uh, I think that that would be it. Nice one. The original Live After Death. It's oh, a cool, <laughs> there's a lot of cool stuff. Yeah. Uh, I could yeah. go on for days saying, oh, yeah. that one and that one. But <laughs> but that uh, that Fear of the Dark uh, original painting has a special place in my heart. All right, Matty, what about you, mate? Ooh. Well, this is, this is almost, it's almost verging on the question of what's your most prized possession in yeah. your collection. So I'll, I'll answer it with that because, and that's, well, it's two shirts. So I've got two shirts that are about the same for me. <laughs> and they're both they're both from 1982. One of them is the original Beast in New York with the black top across the top of the shirt. And the other one is the Beast on the Road, the white muscle shirt. And the reason is when I first got into the Maiden, 1986, by 1987 I had a poster on my wall of the band standing around uh, a pool. I think it was in the Bahamas when they were, must have been recording Peace of Mind. And they're all standing there just sticking their fingers up at the camera. And Steve Harris is wearing that white muscle shirt. And I should just stare at that as a kid, just going, how awesome is that shirt? <laughs> Matt, I... what is that shirt? How could I ever find one? And the same with the, uh, the Beast in New York. I had a postcard. Uh, a large postcard, you probably all know what it is, with a close-up of Steve on stage, I think it's Hammersmith 83, and he's wearing the, the New York shirt. Same thing, I've just been listening to Maiden, just staring at these pictures, just going, how awesome. I need to know more about that. I need to find one of those. Yeah. I think it took me like 20, 22 years to actually find, to actually own those shirts. So they're probably the most special things, and I would grab them first for sure, you know. I think that's allowed at the end of the day. All right, it, it says, you know, um, if you could only save one thing, but at the end of the day, it doesn't say what you can grab with one hand. That's right. <laughs> oh, multi so the rules have changed now. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Matt, if I remember, I had that poster when I was in high school, and I think they were standing around the pool but I think they they had their thumbs up and Bruce had his thumb down and he had this miserable look on his face. Is that the poster you're referring to? I reckon it might be. Some, somebody's doing that. I remember. It was it a lift-out. Yeah, it was a lift-out. generic out. Australian rock magazine, if I remember. Yeah. 
didn't even have a proper logo. It just had Iron Maiden written in, you know, pink and blue, as was the time. Or something. <laughs> I'm going to find it. I think I've got a picture of it. I'll find it. We'll post it up. <laughs> cool. <laughs> nice. Harris is wearing those really short denim shorts, you know. <laughs> It's a different poster I'm thinking of, but yeah, it'll happen. Just put it out there. Put it out there. My turn. Oh, jeez. I've been dreading this question. All right. So mine would most likely... No, no. Okay. I'm going to commit to this. I would grab my massive 60 by 40 giant billboard poster of Sheffield 96 signed by Derek Riggs. Um, it, uh, I picked up this poster, I think, oh, was it 2017 or 18? I can't remember. It was, it was, um, it's just the most magnificent poster you could imagine. It, look, it's similar to the, this one here, Italy, but this is a smaller poster. That's just huge. There was something magical about the UK, um, 86 promo posters and, I have never ever seen a Sheffield 86 poster since. Sorry, I'd never seen one before, never seen one since. Um, I would say there would barely be one or two in the world surviving. Um, and mine mine is actually signed by Derek. I, I, that is the first thing I would grab. Um, and uh, if I could tuck stuff under my arm as well, I'd, well, I'd, I'd, I'd probably get the... Um, the somewhere on tour, uh, long sleeve jumper with the European tour dates on them, but but they're the two they're the, they're the two things that I would um they're the two things that I would take with me, one holding this way, one under the one under the other arm, and off we go, <laughs> so, off we go, and 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 hope that the fire the fire fire department arrives early. So yeah, that's. <laughs> Just know that if your house is on fire, you can grab stuff without using your hands. You can actually keep what? stuff in your mouth too. If you're running away from the burning house. Actually, you know what? This is this actually happened um, uh, this time last year. Well, not this time. This happened uh, last summer where we, Maddie, remember we had those fires here in uh, Victoria. Yeah. So my lovely partner gives me a call and she says, "There's fires." In the area and they're coming towards our street and I just said I just stopped what I was doing at work <laughs> I I called her um, on like a video call and I said right go upstairs so where I am now I said grab this grab that grab this grab grab this vinyl grab this poster grab and and she ended up bringing up like a two three boxes of stuff downstairs outside so so I've, I've had some limited experience with it, but thankfully there was no no fire after that, you know. And then and then we had to carry everything back up. But you know, <laughs> I was actually uh, a few years back. I went to a party, and at some point one of the guests come and say, "Oh, the neighbor's house is on fire." So we run over there and we kick the door in because there was nobody at home, and uh, there's smoke all over, and uh, some of the there are other guests who uh, were going into the house. They said, what should we save? They started talking about the furniture. And I said, no, 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 no. Fuck the furniture. <laughs> Look at the, at his, uh, he has like, like a, a big cabinet. And he had like thousands of uh, comic books. Mm. So you could truly oh, see he was a collector. So I said, we have to save the comic books. So we found the <laughs> uh, black bags and just stuffed all his magazines. Uh, I think we saved like 20 black bags full of comic books right. and, uh, and they were out of the house before the, the fire department came and I'm pretty sure he's pretty stoked that we took his comic book <laughs> yeah. collection and saved that and not the furniture <laughs> yeah it's, it, it is a question that really uh, it brings gives nightmare to uh, collectors so and then you wonder why you collected in the first place but <laughs> that's okay you're lucky you never became There's a, a whole, collector. Another, whole other episode on that sort of. No, oh, yeah. Analysis, man. Collect stamps because then you just grab your albums. That's right. Yeah. Run under, out. Under yeah, you're right. You just grab everything and go. Whereas, how are you going to grab this stuff? You know, how are you going to grab 
all this stuff, you know, and you can't see it off camera, but there's, there's rolls of, you know, tubes of posters here. There's just a lot of shit, you know, so. I just have to ask this. So you have tubes with posters in, and you just said half an hour ago, you should not keep your posters in a tube. <laughs> I'm just, uh, okay. <laughs> Raz, uh, there's, a, there's a principle that goes along the lines of uh, do as I say, not as I do. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Look, look. In in the other room, in in no, no. In the in the bedroom, I actually do have all the acid board, the acid board, and the my last leaves, and there's a whole lot of posters in there. But um, as I said, took science again. Yeah, but but there's all well, there, but there's also tubes here as well. So. Um, yeah. That was not acid free. That one. That is not acid free at all. No, okay. that is not acid free. And what? What's in here? Uh, what's this here? Um, what is this? Hang on. I don't even know what this. Oh, this is just the Power Slave Capital Records promo. So there you go. That's. <laughs> I love you. Said it's just the. <laughs> just. I have no room for it. I have no room for it. Right. Mister Mister Newhouse, go on. Well, I was going to say was if I had to save anything, it'd be my laptop because it's got all my pictures uh, and all my music on it. So I just grabbed that. I'm not a collector, so if I was going to save anything, it'd be my laptop. No, no, no. But, and I can uh, hear by that you don't have a backup. <laughs> that is my backup. I mean, that laptop is um, it's got uh, two terabyte of, uh, of hard drive. It's got. Uh, 250 gig SSD. Um, and what are you? Because I've got the computer I'm talking on. This is going to become my wife's computer. Um, the wife is using a computer in the other room, which is going to become my granddaughter's computer. So it's going to have a big change around. I've got my new computer coming in a couple of weeks' time. But everything is stored on the laptop. So what yeah. I'd be doing is transferring everything from the laptop back onto the new system when it's up and running. Loopy, you... That's been a beast. You, though, you actually have the best collection out of all of us because you have collected memories from, you know, things... Like more photos as well. From being, like being, at the first, yeah. being at the first gig at the Cart and Horses to, to turning up to you know the sound house to space ward studios record the sound house tapes to you did know. you see that um, that picture i put up last week you know, i went to dennis's um yes 40 year anniversary you know, this is your life thing yes that picture that i put up with, uh, with um, terry murphy but terry murphy used to be the governor of the bridge house wow yeah yeah he was he was the boss of the bridge house and it, i mean to actually see him, I met him in the car park, and I said, bloody hell, you've still got the same amount of hair. He said, how oh, I say, you know, you've got some more hair than you. He said, yeah, yours has dropped to your chin. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's the Terry I remember. You know, just such a great sense of humour. And it was, uh, it was just a brilliant afternoon. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so I do have a lot of a uh, lot of memories. I've got a lot of photos that um, um, I have made this a kind of, um, sort of public over the last couple of months. But I am writing book two, like maiden book two. Um, but it is going to. It is not so much maiden this time. I mean, it, there will be the um, we'll be talking sort of more in depth of, like, sort of when I'll be working with them at Hammersmith Odeon, Wembley Arena, etc., etc. Um, but I will also be covering the, the two tours, UK tours that I went on, and a little bit about like our stint out in, out in America, um, uh, Brooklyn and whatever. So, but a lot of it is going to be about my time in Stage Miracles because there was so much that happened there, and there's some, there's some very, very funny stories, and uh, I, I want to capture that. Yeah, I actually want to hear about your experiences working with other other art, artists as well. Like, um, you know, I mean, you know, Def Leppard. I mean, the, you're pretty friendly with the Def Leppard guys. You know, Duran Duran, um, Spandau Ballet. I mean, I find that fascinating. I, I really this do. Is the I Made in Full Room? We talk about. Oh, that. sorry, sorry. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll edit that bit out. <laughs> 
Did you just say Duran Duran? Yes, yes. <laughs> Loopy, Loopy worked for Duran Duran at Hammersmith Odeon. Uh, uh, Wembley Arena and the uh, Birmingham NEC. There you go. But I'll tell you what, I don't know if I actually mentioned this in, in the book, um, but we went to do um, a show in Birmingham. And uh, when we got there, we turned up, and it, uh, because we were travelling about in one bus, Nobody was getting any sleep. And we turned up at this venue, and it was a pokey little hole. I mean, it really was. Um, yeah. About the size of the foyer. If, you, if you've ever been to the foyer at Hammersmith Odeon, so like you go through the double doors, you're in the foyer, and then you go through into the next bit, and then you go through the, like the doors into the arena. The foyer was quite small. And this, this venue was about the same size with a stage set up down one side. But the first thing you noticed was the smell of puke. As soon as you walked in, it's just this horrible stink of puke. So one of the crew said to the, said to the bloke who opened the doors, let us in. He said, who was here last night? He went, Duran, Duran. <laughs> so fuck me, is that what they smell like? <laughs> so we, uh, we, ended up, we, we went, no, we ain't playing here. And we walked out. That's a true story. <laughs> yeah, the place absolutely stunk. Duran Duran had been there the night before. <laughs> hey, I just I just found um I think, uh, just totally sort of related but not related. Um, re- there was a recent interview where Adrian Smith confirmed that he was approached by Def Leppard to replace Steve Clark. I did not know yeah. that. I had right. no idea of that. So after after Clarkie passed away, after Clarkie passed away in '91, uh, Adrian was obviously out of Maiden, and Def Leppard actually approached him. I had no Can idea. You imagine him, him and Phil Collins together. What a what a unit, man! What a unit that would be. I know Campbell ain't so bad, but blimey, that no uh, Phil Collins Adrian Smith combination. On De- uh, De- Def Leppard would have been absolutely outstanding. And, yeah, when you think about it a bit deeper, Adrian Smith, Def Leppard, the songwriting is right up his street. It is. It, it is. is. Absolutely. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you why it would have worked because Adrian, at back in the late '80s, early '90s, was more into the you know sort of arena rock sort of poppy sound and that's right and Def Leppard had just released Hysteria and they'd gone to make Adrenalize and that was that songwriting that Adrian was doing back then would have just been perfect but then in the mid 90s Adrian got back to writing very heavy really heavy music with uh, that band he had Psycho Motel yeah. Um, which which was really heavy heavy rock. It was actually really good too. So anyway, I don't know why I spoke with. They went from Duran Duran to that. Uh, but we're entertaining the punters. Well, viewers, this, viewers. this is the gr- this is the beauty of these discussions. Everybody, everybody, yeah, we go. All right, questions. Um, I have one for me actually, and this is from the lovely Julia Julie. Harry Broadhurst. Yes, Julie Broadhurst. Hi, Jules. Uh, she wants to know why, um, or she always, I'll start again. Um, I've always wondered why Paul Cairns was never acknowledged on the Soundhouse tapes. Who made the decision to omit his name from the credits? Um, be perfectly honest, Jules. Um, I don't really know. I, I, I don't know the answer to either question. Um yeah, yes, he played on it. You can't deny that. Um, I mean, what I have noticed is that I don't think I've actually said this in public, but what I have noticed is that if, if you listen to the tracks through headphones, and if you know Dave Murray's style, you can tell that Murray is on one side and this not-so-good guitarist is on the other. I'm not saying Paul's the... Um, crap guitarist I'm just saying he wasn't as good as Dave um, completely different sound 
Um, if anything, I would have said he sounded a little bit more like uh, David Gilmore than, say, Adrian Smith does, or even Dennis Stratton. You know, his style is completely different. But as to why he wasn't credited, I wish I knew. I don't understand it. He was there. He, he, he did his part. It's a good question. As to who made the decision, can only be one or two people, or both. And it's either Steve or Rod, or both. It would have come from there, but nobody else. Nobody else is allowed. <laughs> Very interesting. It's a really interesting question. I never even entered my mind, to be honest. So it's Really good question by Julie. It's good. Yeah. All right. What do we got? What do we got, Loopy? Well, her other question was which, why do penguins have knees? Um, I've got nothing else. Why do Wait, penguins? <laughs> why do penguins? I went on to ask, on to ask her uh, why dyslexia was so hard to spell. <laughs> but that's literally all I've got so I do have a personal question for Rasmus and sorry I, was just I, do have a personal, I do have a personal question for you okay. uh, but it also will apply to Matt like being well in fact Kaz as well being huge collectors of Iron Maiden why did you choose Iron Maiden? Why not Jews Priest kiss somebody else? Why did it have to be Maiden? I don't think we chose. I'd say that we didn't choose, we didn't specifically choose Iron Maiden over any other band to collect. I'd say we discovered Iron Maiden, and I know I, before discovering Maiden, I was a collector. So collecting was in my blood as a kid anyway. Stamps, yeah. stickers, yeah. everything. But I think discovering Maiden, and they just locked in with my heart as a as a band first and foremost. Mm. And I probably they were my favourite band as a kid. I liked them. I mean, I love Priest as well. But I love Maiden more. And they just combined everything from lyrics to artwork to the sound of the music. Oh, so I was a collector, and I discovered that they had so much stuff to collect. It kind of just, Makes sense. Let me ask you the next part of the question then, Matt, which yeah. may again apply to everybody else. Why did you decide on t shirts when there's everything else you could choose chosen from? Well, I, I came back to t shirts. I, I collected everything when I first, uh, first got into the band. Right. T shirts were always something I loved the most, but in Australia, they were the hardest thing to find. So I just. Bought everything else I could find, vinyl, CDs, posters, books, everything else. And always had this love for shirts. And obviously as times changed and as the internet kicked open, late nineties, early two thousands, suddenly I mean I do I do in the nineties I was doing postal auctions out of the UK and stuff and you'd write in you'd write in your highest bid and post it off and then you get a reply saying you've won the more certain things. I've got a few T shirts that way. But it wasn't until really the internet kicked off in the late 90s that suddenly there was uh, the access to shirts was there a lot more than yeah. before that. And, and I was able to finally finally try and find some of these things that I've been searching for for years. And I ended up deciding to let go of all the vinyl and the CDs and the rest of it just to focus on what I truly love to collect of made and that was shirts. That's how it happened for me. Very cool. Rasmus, what do you reckon, It's a bit of the same story. I, I collected as a kid, like stickers and stuff like that. And uh, and Maiden has the total package. They had, you know, of course, Eddie. Uh, and uh, the music was just spot on. But I do remember when I, I was a kid, my parents took me... Uh, to a house, they had some friends, and they had two teenage boys uh, older than me, and their rooms were filled up with kiss memorabilia. Wow! 
So uh, I remember looking uh, at uh, the rooms going like, wow, this is <laughs> cool. I want to do that with, uh, I didn't have that much maiden at that time, but I thought, hey, I'm going to plaster my walls with, uh, my, my walls with, uh, with, uh, with Iron Maiden. And uh, yeah, later I, I, I saw the, the Hard Rock Cafes, and I thought it was uh, just cool with all these different frames with different items. Not just posters or a picture, but also uh, jackets and like everything. And I thought, hey, that could actually be cool to have like a hard rock cafe only with Iron Maiden items. That would be um, awesome. Yeah. yeah so, uh, yeah. Mm. I've just been lucky to uh, have the room to display a lot of my collection. Mm. And uh, I just love it. I just, I just love the idea of being totally surrounded by stories. And, and it always ends up when I get guests here, I talk for hours and hours because you rediscover all the events <coughs> you've been on, uh, looking at the different items. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, look, the, the, the lads have actually touched on something important. I think before we started collecting Maiden, we were already collectors because at, we're all collectors. We, we have a collective, a collector's soul. We've got a collective soul. I mean, you know, in the seventies, in the late seventies, I used to collect, you know, Star Wars figurines. Those those first edition Star Wars figurines that came out in nineteen seventy eight. You know, that, that that that's what I was into. I had to have the whole set. Um, and and then it went on to yes, like Rasmus said, stamps and coins and that. So I think you've got to have a collective soul to begin with. Um, but I think then Maiden chose us. I don't think it was us choosing Maiden. I think Maiden chose us because, you know, it's no secret. I mean, I started my my foray into rock music. I was first and foremost a Kiss fan to start with in way back in 1980. And um, my, my bedrooms were plastered with Kiss. And um, I just... I just I was obsessed with them, but, you know, the first time I heard, I mean, my introduction, the first time I heard the Number of the Beast album and my next door neighbor, um, you know, sort of, sort of, I went to his house and he had all the, the posters up and he'd just seen the band on the 82 tour. As the boys said, it was just a different world. It, 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 and, and the hunt. And the hunt. hunt. Oh and, my god. And the all, hunt. all the items are our trophies, right? Yeah. On the walls instead of stuffed animals. And it's. Uh... Yeah, the hunt yeah. is. Um, it's. Uh, look, the thrill of the chase is an addiction. It really is. Um, you know, once you get an item, you want. And it's a holy grail, and you just want the next item that's a holy grail. And. and you know, I mean, you, you know, Raz and Matt, I mean, you guys are, you know, really top collectors. You're sort of at the tip of the spear, really. For you guys, everything and anything that comes along now is a holy grail. Because, <laughs> look at him. <It's... laughs> Have a look at this. But it is funny because somebody think it has to be this one-off items that cost a million dollars, and it, it really doesn't. Sometimes you just stumble off. Or uh, an item that doesn't cost any money at all, but the story behind it is so cool and, and yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And look, we it's, we do uh, need to we we do need to say that a holy grail doesn't, like you said, doesn't mean you know uh, uh, the sarcophagus from the world's the world slavery tour. We it could be a poster. I mean, one of the my prized collections is the um, the wasted years poster, which the band all saw, hand signed in 1986 when. Um, the uh, Ipswich, Ipswich gig was cancelled because Bruce had the flu. And Rod made it... Remember, remember Loopy Keith was telling us? Rod made all of them sit in, in, in a room for about six, seven hours and they signed 2,000 of these posters. Now, I've got one on that wall up there it, and it's just... I love this poster. It is, it is just the most incredible thing for me. So, um, yeah, a Holy Grail doesn't have to be something elaborate. It, it can just be... Something with a story behind it, as yeah. Rasmus said. Actually, before we go, there is a question I've just found um, that was submitted on the Facebook page. Um, what was the first 
item you ever had as a collector? First maiden item? Yes, oh, of course, yeah. Yeah, of course. Uh, well, I know for me, it was, uh, it would have been, it would have been event this time, it was springtime, so it would have been pretty much 35 years ago, exactly. So I just, I discovered the band sort of midway through 86, and then, so it would have been September, October, 86, we'd gone to like a local market in Croydon, suburb not far from where we lived, and they'd have a market in an old, um, like a drive-in theatre on Sunday mornings, the whole place would be decked out as a market, you know, in all these different stalls, and there was one guy there, he was doing iron-on transfer, so he had this whole stand set up with this whole wall full of iron-on transfers, there were skulls and snakes and stuff, and at the top there was this whole row of black t-shirts with all these Eddie designs, all these Iron Maiden designs, and that was an amazing moment for me because I could just stand there in awe. It's like being in a merch stand at a gig these days. You just look at the shirts and go, oh, wow. And I was allowed to get one, you know. <laughs> I think it cost $11 for the T-shirt, but I had to just pick one. And it's like, wow, what do I choose? And I ended up choosing, it was, a, it was the number of the beast iron on. And the guy got the shirt down, he got my size, and he pressed the transfer down to the heat press in front of me. I'm just watching it all happen, you know, this like steam comes out. Hands it to me. Here's this hot, fresh printed on transfer. I'm just, I was so, so happy, man. It was amazing. I wore that thing to death, you know. I think it lasted about three years, and there was like hardly anything left for the print. You know, I loved it, loved it. That was my first made like. Fantastic, fantastic. Now mine was, um, mine was uh, at the at start of 1983. We had these new neighbours move in, and the uh, my my neighbour George, he was a that's five, six years older than me. And he'd just gone to the Beast on the Road shows in uh, a lovely theatre here in Melbourne called the Palais Theatre, beautiful theatre. And he gave me the cassette and he said, look, you know, you'll like this. And um, and uh, then the next week I went back and I said, I love this. And he gave me the Australian 82 tour book. Okay. Now, when you're 10 years old, you don't quite rationalize and think things through. So what I did, I got the scissors and I cut this thing up. I cut the pictures and I put them up and, and on my wall and um, I went and told him the next week, you know, George, I, I've, I've, I've put the tool book on, on my wall. And he goes, what do you mean? I said, I've, I've actually cut it up. I've sliced it up and I've put it up. And he goes, well, you did what? You, 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 you ruined the tool. And... Years later, years later, almost 35, sort of 36 years later, that Beast on the Road tour book, the Australian one, is actually one of the rarest tour books. Yeah. <laughs> so then started this quest, this, this, this quest to find it. And um, luckily our, our mutual friend Joel Whitford um, had, had one from in a bottom of a pile that hadn't seen the light of day in over three and a half decades. So I finally got it for a hell of a lot, a much greater price than I did in uh, 82 because 82 just gave it to me. 83 just gave it to me. So yeah, that's, that's, so that's probably the first item I got the best on the road tour book um, about three months after they'd been here for that first tour. So Raz, what was your first item? I think we talked about it before. I had I saw this uh, black and white uh, photocopy of a uh, woman in yes. uniform yes, and yes, took yes, it from yes. a doll. And so that was my first one. I'm more interesting in hearing what uh, Louis has to say about this. <laughs> the first one, Louis. Uh, good. Um, I don't know because I'm not not a collector at all. But working for the band, you picked up bits and pieces all the time. Um, I mean, when when I left the band, I gave a shitload of stuff to Keith Cod. Oh, Cod. Coddy, because um, he was uh, into collecting um, uh, old itineraries and, and stuff like that. So I just gave everything to Cod. Um, I remember having a, somebody gave me a patch, we were in, in Germany somewhere, 
And somebody gave me a patch, and, it, and all it was was like, was like a circle um, in black, but it had Iron Maiden in silver lettering across it. And I think that that was probably the first actual piece of memorabilia that I ever ever collected. <laughs> yes, you got the t-shirts, you got the tour, the tour, tour jackets. Um, in fact, my son um, Sam has still got my tour jacket from the Guinness tour. He wears it, um, and it's still got like the loopy like, badge, like name plate on the front. It's got <laughs> Iron Maiden over here, and yeah, it, it, it's fascinating the fact that it's he's still in the family. But um, yeah, I, I gave everything away and. It was amazing over over the course of a couple of years with the band, how many T-shirts you gain. I mean, the first Iron Maiden T-shirt ever was one that my mum got printed for me when she went to uh, Weymouth. She went on holiday in Weymouth and came back and she said, I've got something for you. And it was a black T-shirt with Iron Maiden printed in glittery letters right across the chest. Yeah, thanks, mum. Anyway, um, that was the, the first ever Maiden T-shirt, and then obviously like the red shirts came out with like black lettering, and and then it was this shirt, that shirt, and then I used to go out and, and sort of buy shirts on the markets outside the European venues because they were always better than the Maiden shirts, and there was a, a lot more of them. And uh, I used to come home and say to me, "Mum, right." You know, there's me laundry, and I'd go out and write a couple of more clean shirts, and the next tour you'd pick up more. And it got to the point where I had a pile in my bedroom from the floor, probably about a metre high, just a stack of shirts. And, of course, when I left Maiden and then started working for Stage Miracles, um, we were getting, we were given um, shirts every night. That was a thank you. You know, so of course you're now collecting all these different band shirts, and again, I've got another massive pile in the bedroom. All the maiden shirts disappeared. Don't know where they went. I've now got a huge pile of new shirts, and this went on year after year after year. <coughs> and then you get the special, um, like special uh, shirts, like um, ones that will say uh, Rolling Stones crew, or. Um, um, who was the other one we had? Uh, Pink Floyd. I did, I did probably about maybe 12 to 15 different shows with Pink Floyd all over Europe. And um, again, different coloured crew shirts. You know, if, if you, when you come to doing the loadout, if you were working on the lighting rig to take the lights out, you were given a yellow shirt. If you were doing sound, you'd have a red shirt. And and this went on and on. So if you're doing a back line, you've got a green shirt. So if you changed round every night, you were collecting a different colour shirt each time. That's the way to do it. And everyone on that crew on it, you know, that deal. I loved it. I did that for 15 years. I absolutely loved it. And the amount of shirts, I mean, they actually came out of there. Because Stage Miracles also had their own shirts. And uh, in the end, my very, very last Stage Miracle shirt, I gave to my daughter uh, to wear as a nighty, and I never got it back. <laughs> and that was it. I think that, that, was, that was the last sort of um, music shirt I ever had, was the last Blue Stage Miracle shirt. But yeah, good time. So yeah, it's, uh, that sort of really sort of covers my entire sort of memorabilia. The first piece, I think, was probably the first T-shirt my mum got me. I think that's a bit. Amazing. Sad. Sad. <laughs> Here are bloody stories. I'm trying to write a book too. I'm never going to get it done now. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> Just do the loopy movie instead. Yeah, yeah, see that, right? Yeah, it's a two terabyte. At the moment, there's 28k on it. 
<laughs> I like that. The Loopy movie. The loop. I've got a question for you, Loopy. I've got a question for you. I've got a question for you. You were at you were at every Hammersmith show during that week in November 1986, and not once you were at the mixing deck. Not once did you go up during Heaven Can Wait in that middle section. Now, I'm troubled by that. That troubles me because I was never told about it. I didn't know where to stand. I wasn't given the right pass, so therefore. How could you be not? But how could you be not told about it? You saw six, all six shows, and you're at the mixing desk every night. Uh, so most nights. Uh. Or, or I was in the pub. You're in the pub. There's a pub next door. Yeah, there's a pub. That's right. What's the name? That's right. What's the name of that pub? Duke of, Duke of Cornwall. Duke of Cornwall. That's right. Yes. Is that still there? That, that was the last place I actually saw um, Yannick and Bruce together. Bruce was no longer with Maiden. Um, uh, I think he was in a band. Well, Yannick was in the band. So, um, is that pub still there, Loopy? Is that pub still there? Yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah, up until about five or six years ago, I, I used to do a Stage Miracles reunion there every January. Because January is like the, the quietest time in the music business in this country because it's so big and cold. Um, not all Canada, of course, but there you go. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, we used to do a Stage Miracles reunion there, and up until 2014, it was still going. Amazing. Well, right, that's seven years ago, and a lot can happen in seven years, but, yeah, it was, it was still ticking over. Why? Wow. I'd, um, I'd have to get in touch with a couple of mates, because they live down that way, and see if it's uh, still going. I would love to do one of our shows from that pub. I just would love to one day, one day, hopefully, if, if things improve, it'd be great. Do it, um, do it on the evening of a maiden gig. That's right. Yeah, that's right. That's what my friend. Characters you get down because you get um, celebs. Celebs always yeah. frequent that pub. Well, so my my good mate Carl Carl Petlow and I, we before every London O2 gig, we always actually. Just go past the Hammersmith Odeon and have a drink next door, and then go to the hotel. I don't know why we've done it every tour since. So, it's just a yeah, just, place to go is the garden horses. Yeah, of course. Well, and we've done that yeah. too. So, I've just pulled up a question. We could even. I think this is the only last one. I've just pulled up one from the Facebook page. Um, this is a strange question, but I reckon we can get some good ideas. What What is the most exotic? Location you would like to see Maiden play? Yeah. Probably in front of the pyramids. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. That's a good answer. <laughs> That's what I was going to say that you don't need a world slavery or somewhere back in time stage set because that's a natural that stage set. That is your that's stage set. Somebody, somebody did, didn't they, recently? Someone played or some, yeah, some yeah. band did a massive. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, projections, yeah I think I think and... I think that opera Aida has been played oh, there before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, that would just be the most spectacular thing to to play. You know, Power Slave, or certainly the. Yeah, it should have been on the Summer Back in Time tour for sure. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, but. And if it's, yeah, I mean, and because the pyramids is perfectly set up for it. I mean, they do light shows, they do theatres, they do, you know, all sort of live. I mean, there's Plus, other... As I, as I said, if you, got, if you got that main pyramid as your backdrop... Geezer. Just imagine having a massive eddy trying to crawl over the top of you. That's... Job done, mate. Job I, done. Finished. I believe the Pyramid of Cheops, King Cheops, which is... Uh, yeah, but that that would just be uh, the... Cyclops. Piece de resistance, no, Cheops, King Cheops. Not Cyclops, that's... Sorry, Sorry I thought it was a type in here. <laughs> I don't know that King Kiosk. King Kiosk. Chaos. <laughs> well, Maiden did play an epic gig in uh, Bali. Oh. Were you there? Yeah. Yeah. And because oh, of the place, it was, there was no backdrop. Yeah, the one with balls down the sides. 
Yes, yes the big uh, Buddha statue, and it was a crazy place, but really, really cool. Yeah. Sen- Senjutsu in uh, Senjutsu in Kyoto would be a hell of a thing as well, wouldn't it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure a lot people like to see Iron Maiden in Japan right now. <laughs> <laughs> like to see Iron Maiden anywhere right now. Yeah, that's cool. True. <laughs> cool. Are we done? No more questions. Cars one more, I think. One more. Just so what was it? It was about that lamppost. Ah, the lamppost. <laughs> what does the question say? It was uh, <laughs> what we could do as a I main community to to save the thing that is not there anymore. We uh, we, we did, did a whole whole episode on that with um, with Stein. So yeah, um, yeah. I don't, I haven't had an update. I've no idea what is going on there. We did a whole hour on this actually. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I think I think we were still waiting for a Briti- uh, London Rail or British Rail or whatever they're called to um, to uh, get back to the council about the wall or something. I f- remember. Yeah, I don't want to put a plaque yeah. or name plate on yeah. the wall. So, yeah. no, no idea. Let's we'll just stop and find out. All right. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Um, anything else? Anyone else want to say anything? No. What a well, it was a lot of fun. There's a lot of lot of fun, a lot of really good conversation. This one, um, two episodes worth of viewers' questions. We've been we've been going so uh, so that's uh, twenty five and twenty. Just have to say, Matthew has to work on his background. <laughs> well, I've turned it around since the last time. Yeah, you could put up some rare shirts. <laughs> well, you, I you usually do. You usually He's do. It's been turned around here. <laughs> Yeah, you know, those doors need painting. <laughs> well, the last time I had, I hang the shirts on the on the bookcase on the other side of the room, but it's been re- it's been rearranged since then, so it's a bit bare. What I'll do for the next one, what I'll do for the next one is I'll bring in the uh, the big the the wall fear of the dark display. I'll hang that behind me. Oh yeah. So, you know, you know just what to say. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> that now that display has to come out. So in fact. Why don't we do the? I will we'll maybe look at doing the 1992 episode very soon, and you got to bring that display out because that display. I remember that display was at the Virgin Mega Store in Melbourne in '92, wasn't it? it was. Yeah, I remember seeing that display. I remember because when the band did the meet and greet the night before the gig, uh, I I remember that display. I remember seeing that display. I think I've got a photo of that. I do have a photo of that signing session. I think that display might even be in that photo. I'll, I'll go hunting in my files and have a look. But uh, remember, the, remember those days? They used to do meet and greets. They do you remember? As in so, record store signings? What happened? What happened? They became too big. They just became too big. You know, I remember we were just standing standing on the road, just uh, you know, a couple of guys having a smoke, and this uh, this van pulls up and the door opens, and they all just get out. Oh, hi guys, how are you going? And, yeah, they all just went inside and got Except our stuff. Except for Bruce. Except for Bruce. Bruce went shopping, remember? No, no, no. I remember I remember they said um, Bruce can't be here today because he has a sore throat and he's gone to the specialist to get medication so he can sing. So I think, um, I don't know if... Well, I thought it was bullshit, but uh, someone did tell me that um, he actually did have the flu. Was it Joel? He told us he had... He was unwell. He had the flu or something like that. So, yeah, might have been true. But um, can you when believe? When did this start? When did people start doing autographs? Maiden. Oh, I think Maiden were doing them. No, no, them. not Maiden. Uh, Just in how general. How is this? Ooh, what? That is. People go a... up and say, "Could you sign this?" It's. Uh... I don't know. I wouldn't. Well, I think that goes back to Hollywood. Um, Early Hollywood days, yeah, for sure. Sort of like, yeah. like sort of forties. When like yeah. you, you know, because the like, Hollywood movie thing, you know, that was like, the big thing. You didn't have radio, you didn't have TV, you just had movies, and I yeah. think that that's where that came from. And wow. you had big sports players as well, I guess, in those times as well. Babe Ruth and all that. Yeah, yeah. Well, wow. I'm thinking, mate, people who are famous must be so tired of signing stuff. Yeah. <laughs> 
Why don't oh, they yeah, just it, have it, one of these? It drives me mad. <laughs> it's, <there. laughs> it's so much easier. <laughs> Next. I've got a stamp for work. I do have a stamp for work. I just... I'm going to have to get one of those because I, I have to fill out um, a, a customs form now for every book that goes abroad. Whereas yeah. before, before it's like for Europe and you didn't have, to, didn't have to worry. But now we're out of Europe, I have to do that all the time. So one of those with my name and address on it would actually be perfect just to bush, bush, bush. Oh just so God. I don't have to keep writing it all out. But the beauty is I've now, now put a package together so you get the book. I've now got my new um, uh, bookmarks. They're not brilliant, but they do. And then I put a little um, like Derek, Derek Riggs picture in there and my business card. They, uh, that all goes in one. And it weighs exactly 666 grams. Yes! Yeah, <laughs> Bang on. That's a really good question, Raz, about autographs. I've never, never even entered my mind. Never even entered my mind. Yeah, I remember the very, very first maiden autograph I ever got was from, well, I was at that signing, actually. You you were there, Matt, and uh, yeah. Yannick Gers was the first guy, and I was so nervous. I didn't know what to say. So I just said to him, I, I support Aston Villa, and he looked at me. He just looked at me. He just stopped and looked at me. And, and, and he looked at me for like five seconds and he just shook his head and signed my thing and and then passed it on to Dave and Dave was a little bit more nicer about it also. Yeah. Anyway, it's so because Carl Peplow supports Villa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Carl Peplow's supports Villa, but I mean I I've supported Villa years before I met Carl. I mean, oh, yeah, really? Carl and I are best mates, but you know, years before I met that's but I just supported Villa for some reason. I I don't know why. I couldn't tell you why. But... That is weird. Sorry? Uh, I just thought we're rattling, prattling on. Have we said goodbye yet? No, but we will now. So, <laughs> we're, so about, we're about to. About 10 minutes thank, you, thank you for watching these two. <laughs> thank you for listening to us for two two hours. This is two episodes we've got. This is two episodes now. Oh, so Minus, uh, minus the, all the things you have to cut out. Oh, all the really sorted. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, so uh, all right. Oh, so there's, there's some controversial. Around 15 minutes of uh, <laughs> good info. <laughs> there's some uh, very sorted controversial stuff that's going to get cut out. So uh, no, I'm j only joking. We got we got lovely two episodes out of this. We enjoyed it. We had a lot of fun. Sorry. Keep your eye out for the blooper reel. Ooh. We enjoyed it. We had a lot of fun. Thanks, guys. Um, really yeah. good. Really good. Let's do this again in the near future and. As we always say, we'll see you for the next one. Or sandwiches, Kung Kung. Thank you. See you, guys. See you, gang.